0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. What do you think of when you think of missions? Gospel sharing? I like that answer. Uh, ooh, anything else when you think of Missions? Okay, reaching out to people unfamiliar with the gospel. Connie said foreign fields. Any other thoughts on uh, missions? These are all good answers, by the way. They're all uh, correct. Any other thought? How about, uh, what about missionaries? What do you think of when you think of missionaries? Okay, somebody who brings the message in a different language. Uh, that's that's uh, definitely a missionary. Uh, any other thoughts when you think of a missionary? Servant? Yeah. How about this one? Uh, would anybody be honest and share a negative idea that comes to missions? Does anybody have a negative idea about missions at all? Okay, okay, yeah, that you would have to go other places to do it. Uh, Connie? okay yeah now that's true that's a that's a that's definitely a, that's a negative if you will for it's it's not easy for the people who are trying to carry out that mission yeah Shane yeah yeah that's right for sure yeah it's on the uh on certain foreign fields it's definitely dangerous uh and I was thinking even along the lines of uh you know some people I know we have people in our church that uh unbeknownst to me man it's it's just uh it's weird how different church backgrounds and, you know, our, our past experiences can affect us negatively. Uh, because when it comes to missions giving, uh, I can tell you in my, you know, 30 years of being saved, uh, so for the last, uh, coming up on 30 years, yeah, uh, that missions has been just 100% positive experience for me. There has not been one negative thing that I could say about missions. Now, I'm not talking about experiences. I've had negative experiences. But I mean, as far as just my, my, my experience as a church member hearing about missions, being encouraged and challenged to give, never once has it felt like propulsion. Never once has it felt like manipulation. Never once has it felt like anything like that. Uh, I've been blessed to have missions presented to me in my experience just a 100% positive experience. You say missions to me, it's like, ooh, missions giving, yeah. But I'm aware that there's other people uh, that have had, had other experiences within our church that come from other churches to where missions was. Your missions giving was a propulsion. We gave this much last year, and we're not leaving this building until we commit to give more this next year. Does that sound like the spirit of Christ at all? Or the spirit of the gospel? You know, it doesn't. But unfortunately, there's people that have experienced that. You know, we need to get the gospel out, by golly, you bunch of heathen. You know, it's just terrible. And so I'm aware of that today. Um, but understand, when I talk about missions, like literally, my experience with missions has been uh, so positive. And, and, and I've talked to some others, So I remember asking Ryan, I'm like, man, what's, what's your experience with missions been? And he's like, positive. Uh, he didn't have, but, but others have. And uh, but, but I think there's some misunderstanding, there's, there's definitely some misunderstanding and debate when it comes to missions giving. Um, I, believe, I believe it's pretty clear, I don't believe there should be too much debate on whether or not we should give to missions. Uh, the way we give to missions, there, there enters in a little bit more debate uh, when it comes to that and the way of giving in general there could come more debate. But let me get here in, into Acts chat number 8. Well, let me ask you this, a couple, couple other questions here. Uh, Just to get started, talking about missions. uh, Well, where was the first church as far as the church that was called a church? In the book of Acts, when you think about a church. What's the most, uh, or what's one of the more well-known, I think one of the most well-known churches in the Bible there, as far as uh, uh, arguably the first? Yeah, the church at Jerusalem, that's right. The church at Jerusalem. And because in Acts chapter 1, verse 8... Jesus is speaking to what is going to become the church at Jerusalem and arguably is the church in Jerusalem because they're already a called-out assembly uh, here. 120 people gathered praying. But he says to them in verse number 8, he says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. And this word is important, both. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, this is a familiar passage to many of us, but it's just another, it's, a, it's another um, version, if you will, that Jesus, I'm sure, gave a few different times as he talked to his disciples, but of the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, he said in Mark 16. You know, in Matthew 28, it was, uh, uh, you know, go... Uh, Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, uh, whatsoever I've commanded you. And so we have this, this commission, uh, and we know that this is associated with missions. The thing that I think it's really, really important to understand is that uh, the, the misunderstanding sometimes can be the thought. Number one, that missions, missions, the, the only relationship that missions in the United States have. Is that we're the people that send out missionaries, and we're the people that support missionaries. Uh, while we are a country that has helped evangelize the world and, and sends a lot of money around the world to evangelize the world, uh, that's true. But the, the 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 sad thing about that is is people do that people almost seem to think that that just pl- these verses only well. <laughs> There's a truth to this. I was going to say, people tend to think these verses about the Great Commission only apply to missionaries. And I guess I need to back up and say that's true, that these verses only apply to missionaries. But the thing that we miss is, if you're saved, you're a missionary. He's talking to people that are a part of this local church here. He's not just picking out one or two. Now, it may be true that one or two are picked out to go to different places, but a big word in missions and in the Great Commission and in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is both. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So they, had, they were supposed to go to Jerusalem, yes, but they were also supposed to go to Judea. Now, where is Judea? I'm going to say it three different times as I go through, but where is that located at? What, what's, what's the Bible referring to when it talks about Judea? Anybody know? Southern Israel. Kurt? Well, th- that's right. So, but, but in both answers, which are right, in both answers, it's, it's, it's region. It's not like you walk into the city of Judea. Um, it's not like, you know, Judea town limits and you come in and you leave. Basically, this is the, the, that which li- lies around Jerusalem. You could say it this way. This is the county. Uh, this is the countryside. This is the rural areas. Judea is. It's not, you know, it's, it, again, so think of it in that way. So you need to be in Jerusalem. You need to be in the city. You need to be around the countryside. You need to be to the rural people. Aren't you glad that God cares about rural people? Um, and, uh But then also, uh, and in Samaria, which, oh my goodness, uh, and then unto the uttermost part of the earth. He's just saying everywhere, but my point is just simply this, that we need to understand if there's nothing else we get about missions today, we need to understand that we are missionaries. We are missionaries. I can imagine a smart aleck saying, Well, can I start raising support? Uh, you know. But, uh, but the fact of the matter is, is we're we're missionaries in our Jerusalem. We're missionaries wherever that God has placed us. Uh, there's a missionary that lives on your street. Did you know that? There's a missionary on your job. There's a missionary in your town. And it's you. And it's me. And if we, if we can get that, man, I'm telling you, we will uh, we'll be a, a lot better off. So, again, the, the first church you think about those, the Church of Jerusalem, that's important. This is, therefore, the church that would have heard these words directly from the Lord Jesus' mouth and that just a few days later would uh, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost of God and would be filled with the Holy Ghost of God and then... But, but here's another question. You may already know the answer to this question. So we, those answers say that, that the church at Jerusalem, therefore, they received, you could say, this commission directly. They heard it, and weeks later, they were formed uh, you know, of, of this church. And, and, uh, and, and so, but which is the first church to obey Acts chapter 1, verse 8? Which was the first church to obey the Great Commission? All right, any guesses? Jerusalem, that's a good guess, that's because it could be a trick question. Uh, they received it, they obeyed it. Uh, well, well look, with me in, in, look with me in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. What happened between Acts 1 and... Ch- ch- Acts 8 a lot, but among those things is the persecution that came upon the church at Jerusalem. All right, now look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout all the regions of where? Where? Judea, and Samaria. Except the apostles. Now they were already in Jerusalem, but do you want to know something that the church at Jerusalem did not do? They didn't do both. Oh yeah, they were reaching souls like crazy. And, 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 and what, one of the things we know about the church at Jerusalem, the church at Jerusalem was the first mega church. Um... And, and, and we look at the church of Jerusalem sometimes as this model church. As the pattern, oh boy, look at this first church, man. They really had it figured out. Now, they were doing a lot of things great. Please don't misunderstand me. But there's time that elapses from the time when the persecution came, which God obviously allowed, then the church went into Judea. Then they went into Samaria. Now, any guesses? How, many, how long between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 8? I'll go ahead and tell you. Ten years. Ten years. Imagine that. Before they got a hold of it. So therefore, if you were to look over in our text in, on, on this topic of missions... Uh, is going to be in Acts chapter number 13. So let's go to Acts 13 now. So now we're going to read about the first church. Now God, in a sense, made the church at Jerusalem obey Him finally because they were doing the Jerusalem part, but the persecution made them reach into Samaria and the persecution made them reach into Judea and ultimately to the uttermost parts of the earth. But it wasn't until the persecution came... It wasn't until ten years later that they obeyed this. And now, one of the reasons I was mentioning about this being the first mega church and people trying to model their churches after this first mega church, I'm not sure. Now, listen, uh, God bless the mega churches. I mean, the, the the ones that are preaching the gospel and doing the right thing. But I'm just saying that uh, the, the the model I read in the New Testament is not about trying to build one ginormous church somewhere. The model in the New Testament is about reaching out. There's churches, there's churches of, you know, even just churches of like 500 people. Churches of 500 people, which is not a megachurch or anything at all, uh, but there's churches of 500 people that'll have like 20 preachers in the church. And not another church around them for miles. And I'm saying, uh, go to these other places. Go to these other towns. Um, But look in Acts chapter number 13. This is the church that that obeyed willingly. Acts 13, the church at Antioch. Acts 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as... As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, that's, that's ordination, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed unto Cyprus. So... I'm laying some of the groundwork, and I'm, I'm kind of zigzagging a little bit to start with. I realize that, because I just want to try to give you my heart. But going back to the main point, we need to make sure that we're obeying what God said to do. Uh, because the thing, what, when, when God wants us to obey Him, there's something that comes along with, with the direction Okay, one of the things that's been on my heart, this is a great principle. You can apply, a good thing about biblical principles is you can apply them over and over and over again, and you'll see them throughout the Word of God. So, and sometimes I, I get stuck on one a little bit, and I start seeing it everywhere, and that's kind of how I am with this principle of Joshua and the children of Israel when they crossed over into, the, into Canaan's land. When they crossed over after uh, the defeat of, uh, I believe it was, yeah, it was at, I think it would have been after the defeat of... Uh, Of Jericho and all that but regardless they came into a a a very small valley very small valley uh, as far as uh, distance between the two hills and on one side of this small valley you've got Mount Gerizim and on the other side of the the valley you've got Mount Ebal and God tries to do it he does an illustration to try to teach them something he has people get on Gerizim people get on Ebal and they stand in the valley And then the Lord speaks to the people and He says this. You you may be familiar with these verses. I set before you this day. Anybody know? Death. So here it is. Mount Ebal is just a rocky, uh, barren slope. Mount Gerizim is green, fruitful, stuff growing all over the place. So here they stand. And God says, I set before you this day, life, gerizim, death, ebal, blessing, and cursing. A barren, dry life and path, or a fruitful, blessed life. And then what does God say after that? Now, that's Joshua's decision. Joshua said, we're going with gerizim. But I'll say it again because it's often used with pro-life, which is good. I mean, it it fits. But I said before you this day, death and life, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose life. Um, Can I just say something here? The the, the five-point Calvinist, and I'm telling you, the the, the doctrine of this... uh, Uh, of Calvinism, and by the way, that's named after a dude that lived like 500 years ago. It's just following his teachings. I'm going to follow the teachings of the Bible over that. But they just don't have a leg to stand on, a a, a good leg to stand on in Scripture. Uh, God says, choose you. Here's the point that I'm trying to come back to, okay? God sets before us choices every day. A lot of times we think about the judgment of God, and God's going to judge me. Do you realize that some of these things are just predetermined? God is just saying, okay, if you go that way, there's judgment that waits down that road. If you go that way, there's blessings that wait down that road. We head down that road and then get all mad at God for judging us. And God is like, I I told you, I wanted you to go this way. I wanted to bless you. I wanted you to be, that's what I wanted. Your choice was to go the other way. So we have choices. These choices are every day. Uh, sometimes these choices are bigger, come along bigger than the others. But every day we have that choice, and when we when we walk in the path of disobedience, it's not that God is like up in heaven. Oh my! You know we think of ourselves as parents sometimes. That's it. I'm nope. I, you come you come here right now. I'm going to get a hold of you and go chasing us through the backyard with the switch or something. Uh, that's not God. God is just like okay. Well, this is what's down that path. The good thing is God doesn't desert us. Amen. He lets us come back and he'll let us come back to the other side. Now, what does this got to do with missions? What does it got to do with these two churches? I'll tell you what it has to do with them. The church at Jerusalem, they did choose some blessings there. Don't misunderstand me. And God gave them 10 years of grace. But after a while, God said, okay, guys, it, it is my will for you to be in the path of blessing. It's my will for you to go reach these other areas. I've got to do something to get you back. You have chose the wrong way. Therefore, I'm, I'm going to because I love you and care about you. I'm going to allow some persecution to come into this church, so that you can obey me. So that as individuals, you can be blessed. Now, sadly, if you know much about history, you know that in short order, because of the persecution, there's a famine that comes. That pretty soon, Paul is going around trying to raise money to send back to the church at Jerusalem. Now, you could disagree with me because I could be wrong. But I just can't help but wonder if Jerusalem would have obeyed God if some of those things wouldn't have happened and fell out the way that they did. And that they wouldn't be begging for money, you know, 10 years after their founding. But maybe they could be blessed like the church at Antioch that's sending out missionaries and sending money back to them. Now, I could be wrong on that. I mean, I'm not telling you for sure that that's the case. But one thing I can tell you is that the church of Jerusalem did not follow what Jesus said to do. And I can also tell you that when persecution came into the church and into the area, that that did force them to go in the areas that God had told them to go in the first place. I can tell you that. And so I don't want to, you know... With imagination, we can fill in some blanks, but I don't, want, I don't want to fill in blanks and tell you the blanks I'm filling in are the Word of God, but I'm just telling you there's some principles there. Okay, so Acts 13, we see that the church at Antioch is sending out the very first missionaries. All right. Uh, let's see here. Let me see if I can get back on page here. Uh, but we see that this, this, this uh, idea... Okay, now... If you will, think about the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus is our example, isn't he? Now, he's more than our example. He's our Savior. Do things sound funny. I saw some eyes going around, and I felt myself breathe heavy in there. We all good? Man, we're working on stuff. And, uh, and I, man, I'll tell you, the sound guys, uh, they do a good job. But the thing that we struggle with right now, if there's anybody listening on YouTube right now, you know what they're hearing? Mm. annoys the devil out of me. But here's the thing. When they, we got some work to do back there, but the guys are doing what they can with what they have right now. But when they adjust that to try to sound better on YouTube, then it sounds worse in here. And so it's just some work that needs to be done. Anyway, um, but think about the greatest missionary ever. Jesus Christ is, among other things, our example. Walking his steps, following his steps. Think about what Jesus did. He he gave us the example in the Good Samaritan, didn't he? He said this. He said, okay, uh, I see some people that need me, need to be saved. So what am I going to do? I'm going to leave the comforts of my home, and I'm going to go somewhere else to where people people might make fun of me. People might think I'm weird. But I'm going anyway. Jesus didn't talk like that, but I'm saying how we think sometimes. You know, Jesus didn't care. He came. He came to a people. He preached to a people. He gave His life for the world. Um, and He's the greatest example. But so, think about that with the example of Jesus Christ. Can you think of any verses that, that talk about Jesus' mission to save souls? Or maybe... Our mission to save souls. Can you think of any verses like that? I know I kind of put you on the spot there. Sometimes I talk so much, I try to give y'all a chance to talk, so I quit talking a second, because I think it gets boring. Amen. Yes, Luke 19, verse 10. Jesus came to save, seeking to save that which was lost. Uh, That's a great example of a missionary. Remember, that's what you are. You're the missionary that lives on your street. You're the missionary that lives in your home, perhaps. You're the missionary that works on your job. Uh, Can't you just imagine? uh, Because I can just imagine us maybe coming, somebody coming in Wednesday. If all of a sudden a missionary, that somebody you're working with this week, uh, and all of a sudden they just got hired on, and you found out, man, no, I'm just working here temporary because I'm going to Africa. I'm a missionary. I'm going there. And I can imagine you being like, oh, this is cool. This is exciting. Or maybe somebody moving on your street. Pastor, there's somebody going to Africa. There's a missionary that lives on our street. But what I'm trying to tell you is you are the missionary on your street. You are the missionary uh, on your job. And uh, so just like Jesus, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. How about that one? The Lord is not willing that any should perish. Hyper-Calvinist. Uh... The, 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 the Reformed Baptist and all this, uh, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Um, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in 1 John, John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God says, in, I think it's 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 probably, but he says that Jesus is the propitiation, not for our sins only, those of us that are saved, but for the sins of the whole world. Okay, Uh, so, uh, what they teach, though, I can't walk around now unless I carry this with me. Uh, What they teach, though, is that, uh, as as far as the five-point Calvinist goes, that, number one, Jesus only died for a chosen few. The rest, he chose to go to hell, because that's how he feels about them. All right, so God predestined most people to hell, according to their teaching, Um, don't love them apparently Uh, don't care about them let them go to hell but then he predates some of us man we're the special ones to go to heaven isn't this wonderful Um, but then in addition to that since Jesus uh, didn't care enough see Jesus didn't love those other jokers you know how I know because he didn't even die for them because what would be the point of dying for these people if he's already chosen them to go to hell that's right you look at five-point Calvinism, Ralph. That's exactly what it is. Li- limited atonement. That's the L in tulip. So he, well, I don't want them to go to heaven. He doesn't. I created them for the purpose of going to hell. I'm telling you what, this Calvinism stuff teaches and believes. Now, they don't say this stuff. They like talking about the heads of the quarter, not the tails. We're chosen. And, man, God's chosen. Oh, that's wonderful. What's on the flip side of that? Oh, he chose the rest of them to go to hell. don't care about them. You can't have heads without tails. They go together. But they don't talk about that. Uh, MacArthur and all of them, the different Calvinists. And there's a lot that I like. That There's Calvinists I enjoy listening to because they're great on some stu- other stuff. But when it comes to this, it's garbage. But the Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish. The Bible says... That he didn't just die for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Okay? You say, yeah, but then over here, doesn't it say that, yes, it does. And I can't tell you every, listen, I'm not God. And I cannot stand up here and tell you everything that foreknowledge is. Everything that predestination is. Everything that election is. I can't tell you everything about that. I'm not God. But I can tell you some things that it's not. Well, preacher, what about this verse? Okay, what about this one? I mean, I don't understand it all, but I do know what God says, and I, knew, I do know that God has not predestined some people to go to hell. I do know that Jesus didn't just die for a select few people. Um, he died for the sins of the whole world. And, uh, okay, that's my little soapbox for now. Uh, not only does Christ care for the entire world uh, and, and wants them to hear the gospel message, but he's commissioned us. Man, what a privilege. He's commissioned you and I to go share that message with the lost and dying world. That's just, it's a privilege. And it's a blessing that you and I get to be the ones to share the gospel with somebody else. To share the love of Christ with another individual. To try to disciple them. To try to get them to be a faithful part of a local church. John 20 verse 21. Then said Jesus to them, again, peace be unto you as my father hath sent me. Even so, send I you. Ain't that a good verse? Put that up there if you would, Ryan. Uh, John 20, 21. Oh, you did already, man. Look at you. Uh, so send I you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Can I just use a wireless or something? Um, anyway. Uh, can I kind of walk around with this thing? Are you just going to talk? I can catch it. Good throw. Hey. I'll give it to you later. Okay. I need to be stopping anyway. Don't I? I probably should have looked at the time. Um, I just share with you a testimony about missions. Um, my personal story, as you know, I am a missionary. Not a big deal because so are you. I just happened to be a missionary that, uh, that left the place where I lived. I happened to be a missionary that God wanted to leave the, my street leave my job, leave my family and come to South Dakota, uh, another place in the world. Now some people, number one, don't consider themselves missionaries. A lot of people don't consider people within the United States missionaries but we're all missionaries, every last one of us. But I happen to be a missionary that God sent up here. There's other missionaries that God sends to you know, Germany and different places in Africa and wherever. Um, But Whenever I was praying about the will of God, I'd already surrendered to preach twenty-seven years ago. I told you just about a week or so ago that I surrendered to preach preach my very first message, and but then going back a little over twenty years ago, God was working on my heart. Probably 22, 23 years ago, God was working on my heart about uh, doing more, and as a as a preacher, I would sit in churches, and and I was I was youth pastor. I was working with the youth, uh, you know, uh, preaching uh regularly in different spots and areas around our region uh, but man i was no longer that I, I wasn't satisfied with that anymore because god wanted more god wanted more and so every time i'd go and hear a missionary every time i'd hear somebody i volunteered i told you you know one of the things that i would prayed about for about a year was going to a little island called anguilla and come february i'm going to wish that's what i had chosen no i'm not i promise you um but uh but i had surrendered to go to it because you want to know something Here's another challenge to, to mission. You know what a missionary has to do? A missionary has to surrender. See, that's the challenge. You're a missionary, but are you surrendered? Because if you're not surrendered, then we're not going to be very good missionaries. We're surrendered. In other words, what I mean by surrender is saying I'm surrendering my will to God's will. Oh, Lord, you want me to witness to this person? I'll witness to this person. Okay, Lord, I'm struggling with my words right now, but you know what? By God, I can get my gospel tract. And I can invite them to church, or I can invite them to a Bible study, uh, or something like that. Just, I want to do something to try to get this person to Jesus. Uh, I, I'm going to try to build a relationship with this person, so that, so that I can befriend them, so that I can, because I care about them, and I'd love for them to know about my Savior. But I'd surrendered. I would go anywhere in the world where God began to work on my heart about coming to South Dakota. And one of the things that when God really confirmed it, I was sitting in a Bible college class and we were learning about, it was a missions, uh, it was a mission session that we were in and man, the teacher, the instructor got up there and he began to teach about the Good Samaritan. And you know, Jesus said, so send I you, all right? Uh, The Good Samaritan is, is an example, number one, of what Jesus did. Jesus came uh, he, he came to somebody that was beaten down He cared about them He healed them Jesus, The, the Good Samaritan is an example of Jesus But then he gets and he tells that story And he gets down to the end of that story About the Good Samaritan And does anybody know the, the, the last uh, phrase That he said to the, uh, to, the, to the man Who had asked about who's my neighbor And all that stuff You may not because it sticks out in my mind Yes, okay, thank you, Ralph. Go do thou likewise. And I'm telling y'all this to tell you, so send I you. I'm sitting in that, that Bible college class in Concord, North Carolina, and as I sit there, I've heard many, many times verses like, so send I you. Go do thou likewise. But man, sitting in that Bible college class that day, you know what I heard? Jesse Go do thou likewise. So send I you. You get what I'm saying? It's easy to sit in church and say, yep, God sent us. God wants us all to be missionaries. But it's another thing when we grasp the idea and the principle, oh, me. You want me to go witness to somebody. But it was when I was praying about South Dakota, and and, and I'm just telling you that that principle spoke to me specifically when God was first calling me to come out here to the state of South Dakota. And, uh, and, and, and I tease, uh, I'm not teasing about hating the cold, I promise you that much. But I do tease you about not wanting to be here, amen, uh, in the winter. Uh, I, I, this is where God, there is not another place I would rather be in this world. Uh, it doesn't mean that I might not start trying to get away for a week in the middle of February or something every once in a while. Uh, but! Uh, What it does mean is that I'm telling you right now, there's not another place in the world I would rather be. There's not another church I would rather be pastoring. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, it is not lost on me how blessed I am to be the pastor of this church right here. It is not lost on me. I do not, there's no doubt that I take for granted some things. Uh, Human nature, we do that sometimes, but I'm telling you, I don't take too much for granted When I see y'all coming in these doors, sitting on these uh, chairs, being an encouragement, doing something for the Lord, trying to witness to somebody else, whatever, Uh, I'm just so, so blessed, and I'm so glad that this is the place where God has called me to go. But the point is, is that Jesus said, go do thou likewise. I guess today, uh, my main message that I'm trying to get across is, we're all missionaries, and that the church of Jerusalem may have failed in some way, and we could argue that. But one thing's for sure the church of Antioch was the first church to send out missionaries. Um, okay, so I am going to stop right there. I see Ralph has a question or comment. Mm-hmm.